I'm Mike Asnald and welcome to the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge's AC23 Plus Artist Legacy Series podcast. This is a series where we talk to artists who are doing amazing things in the areas of the arts, including performance, education, production, as well as arts advocacy. We record this series in the Virginia and John Nolan Black Box Studio, as well as in the Jan and Bill Grimes Recording Studio here at the Cary Siraj Community Arts Center. Be sure to visit artsbr.org for more information on all the great things we are doing here at the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. Hope you enjoyed the podcast series and thanks for tuning in. about that. Uh, welcome everyone. This is, um, this is the AC23 Plus podcast series put on by the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. And this is um, the first installation of our Artist Legacy Series. And I'm Mike Asnault. I'm very happy to be here and uh, have a very, very, very special guest, uh, one of my dear friends, Mr. Don Vappi, who is a uh, um, well, where do I begin? Um, he's a band leader. I know that firsthand because I've been in his band for quite some years now. Multi-instrumentalist. Um, as you heard, banjo. Um, we'll get more into the banjo and his, um, his legacy on the banjo um, in a minute. Guitarist, um, acoustic and electric bassist plays mandolin, and probably instruments that uh, he can't even name. He plays so many instruments, it's ridiculous. Uh, am I, what am I leaving out, Don? Is there any, well, and he's a wonderful vocalist. I don't want to forget that. Um, I was going to play the slide whistle, but we didn't get to play that <laughs> tune at Jazz Fest. <laughs> uh, and it's not like he kind of plays these instruments. He plays these instruments uh, just on the highest level, world class, and that's... Uh, 
again, one of the reasons why I'm really happy to have him here. Uh, a little bit more about Don, and then we're going to um, talk and, and play. Uh, by the way, Don, what was the name of that tune we just played? Uh, it's called Abandon, or Abandon, and it's written by a fellow in the Caribbean. I can't remember his name. He didn't bother to copyright it or anything. Hmm. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful melody, which is what attracted me to it. Yeah. My wife actually found it in a book of, uh, I think it was Cajun songs. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's a Caribbean tune. Okay. So. Yeah, because your wife, Millie, is uh, a bit of a historian, right? Yes. Well, she's got a master's in history, but yeah. researching, uh, she's a great researcher, man. She's, she can find anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, I want to tell you a little bit more about Don. Um, uh, as, as well as being a wonderful player, he's a composer. He's uh, produced, and just correct me at any point if I'm wrong, Don, with this okay. info, but uh, seven albums to date. Um, as an arranger, um, this is where we're very much kindred spirits. We love arranging. Uh, he's written many arrangements, four of which um, Don did arrangements of uh, Louis Armstrong, Pops, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, for the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, which he's had a long relationship with, with, uh, of course, Wynton Marcellus. And um, those were, uh, some of those arrangements were published by Warner Brothers, correct? Yeah, uh, actually transcriptions of those recordings. And, um, you know, as you know, back then, the technology wasn't that great, so there might be some, uh, what do you call it, artistic... Uh, license involved. <laughs> now, how would you, like you mentioned the word transcribe, and that some people, I, think, I guess, might immediately know what that means, but yeah. how would you, what's your definition of that? Well, it's, uh, just trying, as, as an attorney or as a, a stenographer in court writes down everything she hears or he hears, right. we, when we transcribe something, we, we listen to the music and try to write all the parts as they're being played. So that's, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, in addition to that, uh, Don is a wonderful educator. And, you know, I was just thinking when I was, was kind of reading through some of the things I want to touch on with Don. As, well, right off the bat, as an educator, he's taught at Loyola University, uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Fest, um, Foundation, uh, the Heritage School, uh, the Louis Armstrong Summer Camps. Uh, as well as all over the world when you do master classes. Um, but as we both know as musicians, you know, we're, I think we're always educating and being educated. You know, I mean, just now when we're going through that tune before we played it, you were educating me on how that tune might, how it goes in certain spots. So it's, it's really never ending. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, we're, we're constantly uh, works in progress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, you may have already, uh, some of you listeners may have seen Don on, um, on many different occasions, but you may have seen him on PBS uh, in a documentary that he uh, produced and starred in uh, called American Creole. And can you tell us a little bit about that, Don? Yeah, that was, well, we, we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to do a film that kind of showed the rest of the world what a Creole family look like. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I was we were trying to do a recording with with all my extended family, you know, uh, Blast Johnson, Reynolds Richard, Thaddeus Richard, uh, 
and Stanley Joseph, oh, I can't remember all of them. Leonard, uh, oh, Leonard, come on, his last name. Leonard's grandfather invented the the uh, sugar cane planter. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because he's from out here, you know, uh -huh. Broussard or somewhere around there. Right. And uh, and he's married to the daughter of one of the Pips. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So it's kind of like, wow. Because we say, man, you know anybody that could help us promote this? Man, I don't know anybody. Your father-in-law, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, from what you've told me, well, just the names you just mentioned. Richard Moten. Richard Moten, Moten yeah. who's a... yeah. One of my favorite bassists, who I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of many times when I work with Don. Um, but you mentioned some names just a minute ago that you know the average listener might not realize um, who you're talking about. You mentioned the name Plas Johnson, who is now how is he technically related to you? Well, we um, our our grandparents were all like siblings, mm -hmm. so we're extent from that family, you know. The what I find just so fascinating about, especially New Orleans history, musical history, is just the families and the the lineage of the families, how how um, how much they they grow out, and how many limbs there are within a certain family, of just famous musicians, or very important musicians. So, well, Plaz, well, tell us a little bit about Plaz because he's well, an interesting guy. Man, the most recognizable thing about Plaz is. He is the guy playing the saxophone on the Pink Panther theme with so Mancini. So he's the guy who is... Yes, that's him. Wow. In fact, at, I watched the movie. He gets credit at the end of the movie uh -huh. as the saxophone. So. And from what you've told me, he had a real real close relationship with uh, Henry Mancini. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, I mean, that's the, the thing most people would get right away. But he was also in the wrecking crew. Mm -hmm. And he he gave me a, about six or seven CDs with a compilation of different songs that he had played on. He played the piccolo solo on Purple People Eater. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was from the late 50s, I guess? Yeah, 60s, I 60s? think. 60s, okay, early 60s. And then he's on some Marvin Gaye stuff. Right. Uh, I saw him. He's on my uh, Steely Dan Asia album. No kidding. He's, he's, on, he's on Deacon Blues. He, I think he's just in the section, but right, right. he's on it, you know. Wow. And uh, I mean, he's on all kinds of stuff. And these are just these are family members. Yeah, and and Reynold, Reynold Richard, or as some of the older guys says, "Oh, you're Richard now. Huh? You don't live here." <laughs> we used to call you Richard. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But you know, bless his soul, he passed away a year or so ago, and. Um, Anyway, he was Ray Charles' first band leader. And he wrote, I Got a Woman. That might not be the name you see on the, yeah. the actual credit. I Got a yeah. Woman. Yeah. Way across town. Yeah, that wonderful tune. She's good to me. Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He did uh, Greenback Dollar, I think. Yeah. He wrote a bunch of tunes. But, you know, as he said, you know, when you write tunes, when you're with a, an artist as big as Ray, they they want some of it. So sure. Sure. You know, a piece of something is more than nothing. Right. <laughs> so that's the way he went with it. Um well, I feel like playing something. Uh we're talking about New Orleans and um 
course, there's a there's a real rich history there, uh, especially well, obviously, it's the beginning of jazz as we know it. Um, you know a lot. You're pretty much a scholar on all of that stuff. Um, one of those people you've done a lot of arra uh, transcriptions, arrangements on is the wonderful Jelly Roll Morton. Yeah. Well, you know, I I started doing that. Actually, let me just mention uh, Reynolds' son Thaddeus. Oh yeah, yeah. Thaddeus Richard. He was in Wings. Paul, Paul McCartney. McCartney. Yeah. Wings. He's he had he's got these platinum albums on his wall. Uh, I saw. And in that band, he was pretty much playing saxophone. He's playing right? saxophone, yeah. But a lot of a lot of us in New Orleans know him as a right, pianist, piano. keyboardist, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, he's a great saxophone player, man. Yeah. But um, and it's interesting because I, I mentioned we all came from my my grandparents. We they were all my grandfather and that family, all those siblings. And what's interesting about that family is my great uncle, Papa John Joseph. And his brother Nelson had the barbershop across the street from where Buddy Bolden lived hmm. early on. Yeah. And so it was like a meeting place for black musicians in the late 1800s. Yeah. And there was, you know, a story of a chalkboard on the wall where, you know, if you needed a trumpet player or something, they'd come in and write it up there. And hmm. that's, it's, it's fascinating to me to, to think about that. He probably played with Louis Armstrong. Right. Because, you know? yeah. I mean, just playing gigs mm -hmm. around town. But And to think that's where it really... Yeah. That's where it began. That's where yeah. it started. It was, it were right, they were right there in the middle of it. And I think that family, I'm told... Well, Richard's mother, uh, Richard Moton's mother, Marie, she, she, was, she studied at Juilliard. Mm -hmm. So she was a Juilliard concert pianist. And she stopped touring because of, well, you, if you've seen the movie The Green Book, mm -hmm. she didn't want to go through that. Right. That's what really turned her off to touring, right. going through that in, the, in her life. So she started teaching, and she taught me piano early on. But from what she said, the family, me and my grandparents and all, they lived out near Welcome, Louisiana, mm -hmm. out here. And... On Sundays, they'd get together and have meal together, and then they would play music. I mean, they didn't have TV or radio right. or whatever. Right. So that that sense of music being important in 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 your life, in the family life, I think comes from that. Because even when I was a kid, we, we everyone had a piano in their house, mm -hmm. and my mother made sure I had piano lessons. Right. Whether I was going to do it or not, you know. Right. And it was, I still go, I don't play it well at all. <clears throat> and I dare touch it if you're around. But <laughs> I do use it. It's my, it's my dictionary, my encyclopedia when I'm right. looking, the, when I'm writing or just trying to figure out something. There's something about that instrument, because being, a, as both of us know, as being educators, um, no matter what instrument the student you're dealing with plays, there's there's nothing beats going to looking at a keyboard, especially if you're trying to explain theory or anything about music, right. and it's just laid out for you like a silver platter. If you understand the it's basics, it's visual, of it. yeah. Yeah, it's you a very visual it. reference. Um, in many ways, I think as pianists, we're spoiled when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, look, while Don is he's holding that banjo, a couple things about the banjo and its association with Don Vappi. Um, Don is in the Banjo Hall of Fame. He has won the Steve Martin Banjo Prize. Um, Times Picayune U.S. says banjo has a new Jimi Hendrix, or has a Jimi <laughs> has Hendrix. A Jimi Hendrix of <laughs> the banjo. I know. Um, that's quite an accomplishment, all those things. Um. Well, you know, I, I, I got here, um, I was playing in the, you know, the funk bands, you know, and I was playing electric bass, and I remember being bored to death one night playing Bad Mama Jamma. I mean, it's a, it's a great tune. I right. love dancing to it and all that. But it, it was the repetition of the bass line. Over and dum 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 bum 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 da da and do that again, right? So, I mean, we must have played it 20 minutes, and I was like, oh man, nah, you can. A well-trained animal can learn how to do this. A dog, a chimp, you know. I mean, I thought of all kinds of stuff, but I ended up quitting the band, and I actually quit playing for about three months, and then. I'd sit down with a, I, I sold all my stuff. And all your music here? Yeah, I regretted it and tried to buy them back. Mm -hmm. I, but I ended up having a guitar and I sat down and play along with the Kenny Burrell record. That's how I learned, uh, let's see, But Beautiful was that one and Pent Up House, Pent Up okay. House was yeah. two I learned. So, I mean, um, but from there, I, I got a job at the music store. Warlines for Music, which doesn't exist anymore. They had the largest, oldest music store in the country. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the, now the Palace Cafe? That you it's now the on, Palace Cafe. On yeah, Street. the main store. Yeah, they branched out for a bit with little satellite stores around town. Mm -hmm. But, man, I mean, during the Civil War, they, they sold coffins. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, they published the song Dixie. Uh -huh. It was published at Warline, so they were they've been around. And um anyway, while I was there, there were banjos on the wall with guitars and cleaning them and I picked one up and it reminded me so much of the the, the single note rhythmic lines that guitars played in the in the funk bands, you know. Like what do you like, mean? Like Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's perfect because we had to mute the guitar to get that sound. But it's naturally muted on it's, the... Yeah. It's naturally percussive and sharp. It cuts through. Right. I thought, man, banjo ought to be in the band. Right. So th that drew me to it. It's the and original funk instrument. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. So I... And from there, I just... You know, I ended up getting a hold of one and, and tuned it like the top four of the guitar. Hmm. The G, uh, D, G, B, and E, yeah. and played it like that. And some some banjo players refer to that as Chicago tuning. Oh, really? So it's like a guitar. But then I did a program with Wynton Marcellus. I think it was on, um, I think it was Jelly Roll Morton. And I we did Black Bottom Stomp and some other tunes. And I remember researching and seeing that Johnny St. Cyr played a guitar banjo. It had six strings on it. Hmm. So I found one of those and bought it. And I thought, well, since I have a guitar, 
banjo with that tuning, I'll tune the tenor banjo in the standard tenor tuning, which is in fifths, like a cello, you know. And I, I remember at that time, I was working at, uh, at Preservation Hall. And I went there and I learned how to play a major chord in two positions, two, those two shapes, and I went to work. <laughs> Every, I just kind of figured it out. I don't know, it just happened. On the there. job training. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were playing the same thing all the time. Yeah. It came into that same situation with the funk band, right. except it was a, a little bit more interesting music, at least some chord movement, harmonies, you know. Right. It was a good, good foundation playing that. I got to play with these old guys, Willie Humphrey, mm -hmm. you know, Manny Crusto, Jeanette Kimball, and it, that was a, an experience in itself, man. Well, and along with that, that's when you, is that when you kind of got, became familiar with Danny Barker or he became a mentor to you? Yeah, actually, I knew Danny before Preservation Hall because I was playing with Bob French and Bob would call Danny to play. So my first time meeting Danny, I was playing bass, and he was playing the banjo. And, okay. And we, the song was, uh, I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Oh, I love that tune, yeah. And everybody had a solo, and they looked at me to take a bass solo, so I just played the melody on the bass. And Danny turned around, and he says, young man, you're going to go a long way playing the melody. Uh -huh. And from then on, we kind of, you know, that right. started the relationship through the end of his life anyway, so... Well, uh, you feel like playing something? Yeah, sure. You were uh, talking about um, the great Jelly Roll Morton. You, uh, and I, I'd really like the, the audience to hear you sing a little bit. Okay. You feel like doing... Um, you want to do Buddy Bolden? You want to do Buddy Bolden Blues? Yeah, right. Okay. So, first of all, there's mentions... You know, New Orleans had a Storyville district. And this song was probably has some references to things that went on in that. So, you know. Is that the disclaimer? That's my disclaimer, <laughs> man. This, this is not my personal feelings. I'm just singing a historic song. There you go. Carrying on the tradition. And I thought, you know, Jelly, I love Jelly Roll Morton, but I don't play piano, so I learned it on the banjo. There you go. So...
I thought I heard Buddy Bowen say He said, you're awful, you're terrible Take him away Disgusting, undesirable Take him away I thought I heard him say I thought I heard Frankie Deuces shout He said, open up that window Let that bad air out He said, open up that window, boy Let that bad air out I thought I heard Buddy Bolden shout Judge Fogarty say He said 30 days in a slammer Take him away Give him, Get him out of my courtroom Give him a room in a dustpan Let him sweep up behind those mules On Bourbon Street I thought I heard him say Well I thought I heard Frankie Deucey shouting He said girl you better give me that money I'm gonna beat it out Better give me that money, girl I'm gonna beat it out I thought I heard Frankie Deucey shout
I got. A, I was thinking about some stuff just now. I I wondered because the banjo notes are so short. Yeah. And they just kind of and they die. Mm -hmm. They just. Well. Similar to the piano in a way. Piano? Well, in a way, you know, not quite to that degree, but yeah. Everybody thinks of it as being just. And right. then, the, but they don't die that quick. Yeah. At least my banjo doesn't do that. <laughs> But um, I wondered, how do you hold a note? And because it was a drum, I thought of, well, how does a drummer hold a note? Mm -hmm. They they do a roll. Right. And so I thought, so that's why, that was yeah. my thinking behind that, which is probably logical in what people do. Well, there's a, the, the story of Earl Hines when he was playing with Louis Armstrong and I know he would try to emulate, and and hearing Louis, he would hear uh, Louis do his famous, you know, vibrato on the trumpet, and he was trying to emulate that on the piano, which is a form of sustain, I guess. And so that's where he kind of really one of the first guys to do it, where he kind of. Right, coming right. from Louis. Yeah, you know, and he, he he talks about that specifically, and he says a funny story where he's they're interviewing him. He said, "Yeah, you know, I would, I would steal a little bit from him, and he would steal a little bit from me, and that's how we did." You know? Okay, <laughs> yeah, that works though, and yeah. and that's how that's how things happen though. Right, you know they, they just happen. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking before we started recording a little bit about, and I know you're very tapped into this the, uh, the influence of Caribbean. Uh, rhythms as well as harmonies and can you talk about a lot, that a little bit how it's influenced you yeah um, well actually you know when I I got to go back to when I first had my banjo I would like a tune like uh, say Bourbon Street or something I would I would play and most most guys would go let's fly down and I, I didn't like that right so I played I was playing things like that. No, I'm going to stop you before you, because <laughs> okay. you just played a whole lot of banjo, and I just want to, <laughs> I want to break that down for a minute, because what you did in the beginning was very, very what I would consider quarter note-ish, and we're doing a little music school for a second, where mm -hmm. you're, you're doing that, that's where the beat is, Yeah. but even though you, what you play was really complicated, underneath all of that, the second version, there's this thing. Sort yeah, of like the, the, the glue the of that. The seal, yeah. yeah. So how, how would you describe that, or what is that? That's, that's Haiti. Mm -hmm. that's, for me, that's the big influence that New Orleans has from the Caribbean. And I would say Haiti would be the main spot, because after the revolution, all those people came to southeast Louisiana. Right. The French was uh, familiar to them, right. and we were dominant French. Uh, area, Cajun French, uh, Creole, Creole French, and Creole is, it's not really, let me just say, it's its sort of a, a cultural thing, it's really not, some people try to make it like a race, or right. a group of people, it's right. not, it's its a cultural designation, It's and um, it's going through a ton of different meanings over time, but that's how I see it. Right. And Culturally, that rhythm is 
inside of everything, man. It's, I mean, in my lifetime, all of the hit songs out of New Orleans had that rhythm in them. Yeah. I mean, look at Hey Pocky Way. Mm-hmm. Hey Pocky Way. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and I, I started noticing that in even other pop tunes. There was a, oh, I can never think of her name. She's a big pop artist who wouldn't put her stuff on Spotify because she said she, she was one of those people who had enough money, oh, okay. <laughs> enough clout to not uh, right, just right. bow down. Right. But anyway, I remember one of her tunes had this, on the bridge mm-hmm. had, that, had that rhythm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a big part of, of just living here, man. That's, that's, that's culture. That's our culture. It's interesting. You're right. How it that that particular rhythm shows up in so many things. And I remember noticing it. And this is I'm already a musician at this point, but being around my mother and father-in-law who are from Argentina, and he, uh, my father-in-law is not a musician, but he loves loves music. And growing up there, it was tango, you know, right. and, and he he knew that music. And I and I remember hearing, you know. Uh, It's there. It's it's that. It's a little slower. Yeah, I, I was playing a little too fast. And, that, well, and I mean, it's funny I mean, because he would kind of bust me on that because yeah, like, but uh, the rhythm is is there. It's, it's that rhythm. Different yeah. tempos. And I think I mean Tico Tico we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's yeah it's and that's that was the idea. I wrote this tune called Color of Creole as as they wrote it in French on the album. Couleur de Creole. <laughs> you got to get the glottal. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got corrected on that in, in Canada, man, where people speak French. That's not couleur. It's couleur, like a cooler. A cooler. Oh, okay. You know? okay. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> I stand correct. Anyway, you know, but I mean, that was the point of that tune. It was like the form of a New Orleans, like high society. They, they had parts to them. We were talking about French quadrilles. It was mm-hmm. a dance goes with every part of that. Right. And the dance and the music are connected, which is something I learned from an African gentleman I met at a museum on the East Coast. He had his own place, Mokime. Oscar Mokime was his name. Okay. I remember his name. Can't remember where, where I was. <laughs> but I went in because I was on the road and I was looking for bottled water, convenience store. And I saw this place and I went in and I said, hey man, I'm from New Orleans. I know African music plays a big part in, you know, because I'd always heard it. And right. I said, I don't know what African music, I need to know, what is it? So we, man, we spent about three hours together. He played all this music with that was connected to all the ceremonies he had in his life growing up. Because you know, you get to a certain age, you get this ceremony, you get mm-hmm. this next age, you get mm-hmm. that, you get this. So went through that. And um, he even gave me a CD of a, a modern-day band who he felt kept many of the African music traditions inside of the modern music. Right. So as I was leaving, he says, because I bought a DVD from him with a lot of that stuff. 
I don't know where that stuff is now, man. But he said, now, whatever you do, don't separate the music from the dance because you won't understand. Hmm. And that immediately I understood more about New Orleans and music than, you know. Because mm-hmm. you play music in New Orleans, people start moving. They're sitting in the seats. They're moving. Their feet right. are moving. Right. You know, second line. It's right. the whole thing. But that was great. The other thing he said to me that I, I never forgot was <clears throat> I was telling him how diverse my ancestry is. And, you know, he, at home in my life, I've been, oh, so you're not really this or that. He, do you remember they called Cher? Sonny and Cher, mm-hmm. Cher was like half breed, right? Right, right. This guy from Africa says, "How wonderful to have such a diversity in your family." Yeah. And I said, "Yeah." That's the right way to look at it. It is wonderful, right. and I've been okay ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, being in your band, uh, and if I was a really good band member, I would actually have this tune memorized. But I have music in front of me. Um, Let's play that tune. Color Creole. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay, this is great. If I, I'm going to try to hang on. Yeah, I'm, me too. Because I wrote this. <laughs> I always write these things I can't play in the beginning. So, I'm looking at a lot, a lot of notes on this page. I know. Here we go. This is Color of Creole. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two. One, two.
man. There was a part in there that um, my old teacher, Alvin Baptiste, would say, yeah, that was the jazz. <laughs> that was the jazz. <laughs> That's where I screwed up. Man. You know, it's harder to play slow. I think I counted it off slow, because I usually play it. Yeah, it's usually, usually more up, huh? Right, right. It's easier to well, play fast. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> Muscle memory. You did that tempo, but. <laughs> but that was good, man. Thank you. Um, so, you do a lot of traveling, or I've done a yeah. lot of traveling over the years. Um, I'm doing more now. It's you know I'm, I got Medicare, man. I'm doing more. <laughs> you got it all wrong. Supposed to go the other way. So you know. So where where have you just gotten back from, and where are you going? I, I just got back from Canada. Okay. I had uh, two weeks in Canada. We started in Saskatoon, so not too far from Toronto. I had to fly there, though. And then we flew over to Vancouver, and we finished, you know, in that area. Some uh, towns, uh, Oliver, mm -hmm. there was one called Nelson, one Revelstoke, and uh, Kelowna. Okay. And I mean, it's great. I, you know, I'd never, I, I know it, it reinforced my the, my bucket list, man. I want to do the train from one end of Canada to the oh, other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really mm -hmm. want to do that. I know i got to take off to do it, and that's the hardest part, <laughs> taking off. But um, anyway, I did that. And, well, earlier this year, I was in uh, Cozumel with Wynton Marcellus on the jazz cruise. And that's a long-term relationship you've had with that, Wynton. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I've known him since high school, man. Okay. But, yeah. You know, we've... It's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, um, this, in, Ju in July, I'm going to be in France. Uh, I leave on the 5th, I get back on the 17th, and then I leave on the 18th and go back to Switzerland. I, I, I was trying to work it out where I could stay, but I, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll just, that's hard on an old man, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, that's, so. those are some, um, I know there are people listening to this going, yeah, I don't feel sorry for you. You have to go to right, France. Right. You have to go to Switzerland. Right. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> it's a festival in Verbier, yeah. Switzerland. So, um, Well, look, we don't have much time left, but I know you brought your guitar. Yeah, and in Denmark in October. Sorry. Oh, Denmark in October. I've been going there every year for the last yeah. 20, 30 years maybe. Yeah. I go every year. Um, yeah, pull up that guitar. Let's. Uh, I want the the audience to hear you play this instrument, which is okay. Where, oh where <laughs> are you tonight? No, okay. It's the country set. <laughs> what you feel like playing? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. Unit seven. Yeah, let's do that. Ready? Okay. One, two, one, two, three. Thank you. 
<laughs> wow. Don, I'd like to thank you so much again for uh, for joining me for this. Oh, man, it's been a real pressure. Um, pleasure. Excuse me. <laughs> it's pretty real forgot. pressure we were, playing We were recording. You, yeah. No, it's uh, always, man, anything. Um, well, thank you so much, and uh, good luck with uh, the traveling coming up. And I look forward to the next. I can gigs count all my friends together. on one hand, bro. <laughs> in my life, you one of them. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> and, I, and I feel the same way. Um, and thanks again uh, to all the listeners. I hope you enjoyed this and found it uh, educational, inspirational, and all those good things. And look out for Don Vappy. He's he's everywhere. So, uh, what's your website, Don? DonVappy.com. Can't make it more simple than That's that. <laughs> DonVappy.com. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Don. Thank you. The Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge would like to acknowledge our generous sponsors, the Shell Corporation, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Louisiana Office of Cultural Development, and the City of Baton Rouge. 